0: Welcome to Dialed In, a podcast by Callbox, where we talk with dental industry leaders and influencers about the latest trends, technologies, themes, and best practices in the business of dentistry. Be sure to subscribe directly or on your favorite podcast app and visit callbox.com dental to learn more about Callbox's innovative solutions for leveraging the phone at your practice. welcome to Dialed In, a podcast by Callbox. My name's Corey Johnson, and today my guest is John Schwinn, Marketing Director at Freedom Dental Management. Hey, John. How's it going, Corey? Good, thank you. Excited to have you on.
1: Excited to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate
0: it. Yeah. Um, So I wanted to start at the beginning, um, or at least the beginning in terms of your experience in the dental world. Can you talk to me a little bit about your background and and what really got you interested in dental, how you came to be working at Freedom Dental Management? Uh, I think like many
1: people in dental, uh, I fell into it accidentally. Um, I was able to uh, work at a shop, an advertising agency in Allentown, Pennsylvania through college. Um, Finishing that, I was looking to come home. Um, And at that point, uh, Freedom Dental Management officially formed in 2015 and we created our uh, DSO and we were looking for Ahead of marketing at that time, and I came in as the marketing and media coordinator.
0: Good deal. Um, So you mentioned your time in Allentown. So you've worked both um, within dental and outside of dental, kind of on the agency side and outside of the agency. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the the biggest challenges that you saw centered around marketing?
1: Um, I think a lot of the marketing challenges are very similar, um, niche to non-niche within dental and not in dental um, it really does come down to the internal stakeholders really trusting what you're going to be doing. Uh, when you introduce something new, sometimes uh, internal stakeholders can be a little nervous about it. It's just not something they understand. Um, so educating um, the internal stakeholders on the value and what kind of results to expect, that's really uh, what it comes down to. Again, whether it's dental or non-dental, it, it's pretty much the same thing.
0: Um, yeah, That's interesting. So so when you're putting a plan in place or you've kind of got a, you know, a theme to, to your marketing campaigns, um, how often are you in, are you discussing that with team members? How involved are they in sort of these decisions? What, is, what does that look like?
1: Um, so team members, I have two other marketers that work for me. Um, we And um, we have four office managers that are very crucial of taking what we're doing with marketing and making sure that, that the front desk going on. I, I regularly talk to um the office managers, that's gonna be at three or four times a week. Normally it's almost daily, um, just about different things that are happening, things they're hearing from patients and different upcoming marketing initiatives.
0: Gotcha. That's that's useful. That's actually an interesting take. I, I haven't um, in my time in, in dental and in other industries, haven't really heard the the idea of having the front lines um, be involved or, or even made aware of the marketing campaigns. That that seems like a maybe even step one, but that's a that's an interesting take. Um, for us, it's extremely important.
1: Um, what we want to do um, in terms of freedom with our marketing department is we don't want to create that that you know that siloed effect where we in marketing think that we have the the best ideas and this is what patients are going to respond to. And, and we would come up with all these different questions and things like that that we're, we're posing in these different advertising um, venues. But then the people on the front lines that are getting these patient phone calls that are actually interacting, they're the ones that really know what's happening. So to not use that um, just was, didn't seem like something <laughs> that made a lot of sense to us. So, yeah, um, for us, the front lines, the office managers, and the people answering the phones, um, the receptionists, and the dental assistants, the entire clinical staff, that's, that's the most important thing to practice.
0: That's, that is certainly a, I, I, I don't want to cut this short, but that's the highlight for me so far. I, this, <laughs> that's, that's a really cool take. I'm going to use that uh, going forward. Um, can you walk me through, I mean, let's get specific. Can you walk through some of the campaigns you're, you're currently working on and, and um, just talk to us a little about some of those. Um, I'd be happy to. Our, our new office, um, our
1: fourth location, um, is off the ground and then we're seeing patients and something that we're doing uh, for that office is something we did in our last office, office number three, um, and that's um, a campaign centered around our uh, in-house dental membership plan. Um, it's two ninety-nine per year, 15% off. Um, in dental, a lot of people are doing uh, in-house memberships for us. It made a lot of sense in Delaware. We're in a little bit of an oasis, um, but any way we cannot have to deal with the struggle of insurance companies, um, it made a lot of sense to us. Uh, okay. So that's something that is an absolute new patient driver. Um, uh, it saves a patient a ton of money and you get a patient already in the chair. So once they come into the practice, you have that opportunity to show them how great it is and how important their dental care is. So uh, getting them in is the first step.
0: Okay. The, the fourth practice you mentioned, is that de novo? Is it, did you acquire that one?
1: Uh, de novo? Um uh, yes. Okay. Opened uh, late 2018. Um, okay. and yes, we're, we're actively seeing patients right now.
0: That is awesome. Um, so the idea of the membership plan, I've, I've been hearing more and more about that. I've actually kind of brought it up to our HR. Is that a, is that a potential, uh, uh, substitution for, for insurance, which I think mine's kind of expensive. Um, when you're marketing that idea, is it more education based? Cause I know that that idea of membership is probably new to the, to the patient, to the consumer.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Um, the way we position it is as the affordable alternative to dental insurance. Um, okay. so, if you either don't have insurance, which is a lot of who we're marketing to uh, people that uh, either used to have dental insurance to their company, um, a lot of senior citizens, it's a really great way to bring them into practice because they had dental insurance for 30, 40 years. And now all of a sudden they don't, and they don't have a dental, uh, dental home, most of them. So this is a way, again, for us to say, hey, we care about your dental health. We'd love for you to come into the office.
0: We've got, we, okay, we've run into quite a juxtaposition here. We are Marketing a brand new type of service to folks who are traditionally maybe harder to reach with innovative marketing uh, avenues. Let's say the the mm-hmm. senior. Um, how have you tackled that? Uh, that that combination.
1: Um, as spec- uh, the specific advertising tactics. Um, yeah, it, it is what what I think you would expect from a lot of senior uh, senior citizens or older patients that aren't as tech savvy. Um, traditional media still works. Um, if you're trying to reach people that are in that 60 to 70, 75 range, um, newspaper ads are still a thing. And we've seen, at least in Delaware, in our experience, we have seen success um, with more traditional media uh, with the older patients.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Um, so the membership plan, the marketing is, is working there. Any other, any other big successes you want to tout that our, our listeners should know about?
1: Really something that um, any in-house marketer should strongly consider um, crunching the numbers it does make sense um, that's uh, honestly that that's a well we keep going back to um, also for a new office um, it's a de novo and it is big and beautiful and shiny and, and that's that's been a very um, strong marketing point
0: for us how much um, how much of a, a culture within your patient base and within the office does a membership plan allow you to create is there you know, I'm sure there's some sort of maybe monthly touch or emails and things like that. Does it, does it give you better avenues to communicate with your existing patient base after they've signed up for something like that?
1: Um, we do a, um, once a year. Um, so we, we, we do it, um, where it's charged once a year. Um, but yes, normally every six months we put it in the queue where if you haven't been in the office to receive your cleaning, just a quick, Hey, want to make sure you're getting the, getting the use out of this. Okay.
0: All right. Um, I'm sure it's not all roses. Um, any, any, any funny flops that, that we could hear about?
1: I think every marketer has a couple, <laughs> being honest. Um, yes, um, we um, ran a campaign centered around dental implants, and it was called Implants That Impact Your Life. Um, re- received a great amount of traffic, great amount of phone calls, um, and this is where we learned about how important it is to make sure the front lines know what's going on. Okay. Um, we had patients calling in, um, asking about their 15-minute free consultation, as mentioned in the ads. The front desk knew nothing about it we had we, <laughs> we had a couple unsatisfied patients we were able to remedy that but that was an absolute that that was when we shook everything up and and really sent it around not just making sure the office manager because the office managers i'm sure it's everybody in dental is aware they're wearing 15 different hats doing a thousand different things just again delegating it to the office manager to tell them but explaining why we're doing this why it's important what the 15-minute consultation consists of to get some internal buy-in but also to make sure when patients call and ask about it that that they're well versed in it and, and can schedule them in the in Eagle Salt.
0: Yeah, talk talk about handling you know trying to do your job with with one hand tied behind your back. But it's it's great that you guys were were nimble enough to be able to uh, to pivot and get that figured out. Yeah,
1: it, definitely a learning opportunity.
0: <laughs> so. So the frontline staff is, is super involved and it, it sounds like all, you know, all aspects of the marketing. So what tools, be it, be it from them or from your, from your database and your software, um, are you using to track the success of your campaigns? And then how do you end up leveraging that data?
1: Um, just of a very straightforward, uh, something within, uh, we use Eaglesoft in our practices, um, okay. something that's very easy um, to get through Eaglesoft, and then also Dental Intel, we use that as well. Um, looking at just strictly new patients and production, um, that's something, just a very quick thing you can look at, that um, a lot of the, uh, the dentist partners are looking at. Um, but next level, we're looking at Google Analytics, and of course, uh, we're using Callbox to track what's happening uh, through our different marketing uh, avenues.
0: Okay, awesome. What, um, I guess we can toot our horn for a second. What, what parts of, of Callbox have you been using specifically in those efforts?
1: Um, the phones, of, tra- of tracking the phone lines. So if we're putting out, um, we use it a lot in our digital avenues. Um, so um, through our Google AdWords, we place the specific tracking numbers. Or if we do a, a one-off kind of specialized, we did it through our implants, um, <laughs> our, our uh, implant ad. Um, so that's something we're really using. Uh, and then getting a handle on effectively scheduling um, time for the front to carve out, to use that pursue option. That's that's one of the main things that we're really – we understand the value, we're using it, but making sure that we, we build it in as a streamlined process for the front. So we've been playing around with a couple of different ways to do that to make it as easy as possible.
0: Okay. All right. And and for those who aren't familiar, the, the pursue option is um, – when, when, when Callbox identifies a potential missed opportunity, um, just from human error or, or a price concern, um, alerting the proper staff and making sure they're able to rescue that opportunity? Mm-hmm. That, that we're yes. Um, and
1: looking at if you have uh, 100 patients um, that have called the office and didn't schedule even a 10% return, we're talking about real real numbers. And that's something that we're looking at. If they're already making that effort to call us, then to not Obviously, pursue them doesn't make a lot of sense
0: on our end. Sure, yeah. the The phone call has got to be the the best lead, still correct. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. And yeah. So if you're not if you're not exhausting every effort to schedule that opportunity, you know, you in the back in marketing, you've got to be pulling your hair out about about those situations.
1: Yeah, it's good to start tracking it, and that's the thing is that there's not a lot of options to see where marketing. A lot of times, will say oh, we've got the phone call, hands off. You know, We, we, we got that lead to come in. Um, but it's that next level is where I think we've been able to see a lot of growth and success is, okay, they've called. How do we make sure that they're converting? Um, are certain staff members not converting? Is it something in the verbiage we're using? Are patients asking the same questions? So then maybe we need to put some kind of content on the website or change the verbiage in the advertising to answer those questions ahead of time.
0: So I think that leads us into the idea of kind of the, the return here. So um, how are you keeping tabs on? I guess the, the, the if I heard you right, the phrase, the, the way that you track it is return on ad spend or, or ROAS. Um, yes. Is that how you're keeping track of it?
1: Um, yes. The way we do it is a big, giant spreadsheet. <laughs>
0: okay. So um, help, help me, help us first with the difference between um, ROAS and ROI.
1: Um, yeah, so return on ad spend is a, is a global metric to look at, um, in dental specifically, um, production compared to advertising spend. And this is normally shown in a ratio. So that's if you're talking to another marketer, talking about what's your return on ad spend, you're most of the time going to give a ratio. Um, to give you a prime example, um, if you receive $5,000 in production from $1,000 in advertising, that's a 5 to 1 return on ad spend. Um, we'd like to see 10 to 1. Right now, we're around, we are around 25 to 1. So we've seen a lot of success um, so far. Um, But return on ad spend is used, again, as a global metric, but it's to factor in things that sometimes aren't easily uh, trackable. So you're thinking uh, more traditional means um, of billboards, of radio ads, things like that that don't have uh, either specific tracking pixels in your website like a lot of uh, digital ads would. Um, But it's a way to look at it, again, bigger, uh, ROI is what I use to look at more of our trackable aspects. Um, if you're looking at pay-per-click, um, you're looking at click-through rates so that I spent this much money
0: for this result. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so 20 is 25% just unsustainable. I mean, that seems like you're that seems like home run after home run. Is is ten percent a, a long time uh, realistic goal? Um, or not 10%, ten percent? Ten to one. Ten to one is
1: more of our. Don't let's not go below that. Okay. Um, we have been very fortunate um, to receive. I'll be very honest with you and very candid. Um, we have had a lot of success in negotiating our media deals in terms of our pricing is going down. And I think that's something that you run into as a DSO begins to scale or a group practice. We're in that emerging markets, and we're across the state of Delaware, so we're buying from a lot of the same people. And if consolidating your buys like that, of course you don't want to put every egg in one basket. But if you're buying billboards instead of buying five billboards, for one practice, and two for another, you're able to buy 10 total and use
0: the same creative and, again, leverage that buy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Go after those economies of scale and the yep. leverage that you have.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: is there a difference? So, so for a listener out there is, I'm sure 10 to one is probably a, mm-hmm. probably an industry standard goal we should all be striving for. Mm-hmm. Any differences from what you've seen between a, a de novo, a new practice an established office? Um, what what are, what are your comparisons there?
1: Um, yes. Um, in a new office, work, we're, we're going through this right now um, for our, new office, we are spending a lot more in advertising than we are for our mature practices. Now, all of our mature practices are still looking for that bigger growth. So we're not just looking for um, 30 to 50 new patients. Um, Our typical practice is looking between 150 to 250 new patients a month. So that's the kind kind of number. So we're still, there's still a heavy ad buy, but when you're coming into a new market where there is no patient base, again, think about it, Ah, uh, no hygiene recall to pull from. You just open an office. You have to spend a good amount, especially in a crowded market, which is where our fourth office is.
0: Cool. Um, so, how do you take how do you take your ROAS and make it more more efficient? Is it all about getting is it all about getting costs down, or or does, can you also control um, the production from the marketing that you're that you're putting out there? Uh, yes, you can do both. Um,
1: if we are advertising for more profitable procedures or more productive procedures. So thinking of moving um, your advertising from come to dental office a to dental office a is proud to have one of Delaware today's top dentists who has been performing dental implants for 20 years. That's a pretty compelling ad to come get your dental implant done here. Um, So that's something that you can move, move that metric that way. Um, Also consolidating, um, your spend, we are fortunate enough um, to be big enough where we also partner with an advertising agency of record. Ironically, the same one that I worked for because <laughs> that's just how it happens in marketing. Right. Um, so we're able to leverage a lot of the economies of scale. I have a great relationship with the guys of Akina Nagel. Um So we, a lot of times, will leverage our buy with some of the other clients, which is something to really consider. Uh, essentially, think of like a, um, a supply group where you're, you're buying many of the same things. So you all just say, wait, I'm buying two of this, you're buying four of this, let's combine it, and together we're buying six. Um, so the two pieces together work really, really well.
0: Okay, cool. So you, you touched on it, on it earlier, um, but just kind of uh, across the, the gamut, I mean, even outside of dental, what we're seeing in marketing is that we're kind of shifting from offline to more online advertising. Is that, is that true across the board in dentistry? I mean, I guess there's some specific uh, subsets of, of, patients that you you've kind of got a mix for. Um, yes, I do think as a whole,
1: we are moving more to online. Um, but the way we look at it internally is we can test our assumptions, but For us, again, specifically, one of our locations is in a very rural community um, where technology is not a a centerpiece. So we're seeing a lot of traditional um, billboards, radio ads, direct mail. That absolutely kills down there. But the digital avenue um, of things just, it absolutely is a flop. Um, So, of course, as a whole, we understand that that's moving to online but I think as a marketer, it's really important for us to remember that our patients and our bottom line is going to tell us what we should and shouldn't
0: be doing. Okay. So don't, yeah, just because it's easier maybe to, to go yeah. online, um, you got to look at your, at your patient base to see if that's warranted.
1: Yeah. Don't be afraid to test. And again, the specific markets, even in Delaware, with the four locations, the media mixes are very different. So we may be 40% traditional in one office and 70% traditional in another office it's just again, it's testing it, seeing if digital works use a different uh a b testing and different iterations of different kinds of of digital aspects, but again, the market will tell you what what you should and should be doing
0: do they um when I used to live in delaware, uh everyone called it the slower lower that's still the is that is that in a term of endearment or is that one that you shouldn't say in public
1: uh that's a, that's the delaware native
0: <laughs> thing um but
1: yes, uh, it, is, it is no secret that um, outside of the beach communities, um, there is a very strong um, uh, agriculture base um, and, not, again, not a lot of tech, not a lot of new shiny things, uh, traditional works. And again, on our end, it makes very little sense to ignore that.
0: Definitely. Um, so one thing that we run into, and, and I don't know if it's a, if it's a trend, um but with the kind of the the presence of the DSO is that our dentists are starting to outsource um, sometimes even their entire marketing program Mm -hmm. to an external agency. Um, Can you talk, I mean, I'm sure you have a long list of disadvantages for such a, for such a setup. Um, But any, any just words of, of uh, caution or, or encouragement for someone who's thinking about something like that?
1: Um, I mean, some of the advantages are very simple. The dentist or office managers don't have to do it on site. Uh, a lot of, I know a lot of non DSO, um, based practices of one to two location around 30 to 40, maybe 50 new patients a month. That's still doable for them to run it internally. But again, it's very out of the scope normal of a traditional office manager and dentist. Of course, there are exceptions to the rule. Um, but it, it is a lot to be in negotiations with sales reps, especially as as your buys start to increase, as your needs um, change, as you scale. Um, so one of the disadvantages would be that they have to learn, either the dentist or the office manager has to learn enough about marketing to, to feel confident that uh, salesperson A or B uh, won't come in and take advantage of you. And of course, not every salesperson is, is like that, but you, you have to keep Keep your head keep your head up to make sure that you're not getting bamboozled
0: definitely yeah. and I'd, I'd say even something that you mentioned um, before where if you don't have a John in mm-hmm. your office um, who's able to um, properly explain the marketing plan but also step in when you quickly see that something's not going the way that it's supposed to mm-hmm. to be able to create that culture and that confidence in what you're doing, um, I mean I can see how there's a huge advantage to having that team internal. I think it depends
1: on your scale. Um, again, up to around 50 new patients a month, one or two locations, I think you can get away with the office manager or the dentist meeting with an external group once once a month, which is traditionally how they do it. It's you do what, your monthly mm-hmm. check-ins. Um, okay. But once you get into that three to four locations or that emerging markets DSO classification, I really think that point, that's what we did, is you move in-house. And you have a team in-house or at least one person, depending on, again, our needs are a little different where we're looking at 150 to 250 new patients a month. Um, We need a lot more marketers. So we have three. um, And we also use uh, Nagel, the external agency, to handle a lot of the bigger creative for us. So website design, things like that. Um, I think the blend of the two is key. Um, As you get bigger, I think you bring more of those things in-house because they're more controlled. Um, But at least at our size, um, four offices and a dental assisting academy, having three people in-house to handle day-to-day and to understand the goals of what the group's trying to do, and then have the agency able to build um, multi-tactic or multi-medium campaigns. That, I think, is where you leverage that fact. You have people, uh, in-house
0: staffers, but you also don't have the overhead of the entire agency. Sure. Yeah, so it's all about optimizing the the expertise of current staff and the other resources that are available. It depends on where you are in, in the growth process. Yeah, So, so, um, you know, rewind maybe a couple of years back to, to 2015, or let's, let's look at a, the one or the two top office group that that you'd mentioned, um, who is using an external marketing group. Um, What sort of advice would you have? Are there any specific metrics? Um, Because like you said, the the doctor, the the office manager, it's probably not their area of expertise. What should they be looking for um, to say, you know, check marks all around, we're doing a great job. Let's keep going here.
1: Um, The first thing I think would be remembering that you, the dentist, or the the internal decision maker meeting with the external marketing group has to remember that you're the client. You are paying this group to provide a service to you. So you do have that power. And it's Mm -hmm. to make sure that, one, your goals are not unrealistic. Um, We've had it before where I want 150 new patients for $500 a month. That's not realistic. And if your marketing partner says absolutely and takes your money, in my opinion, that's not a good partner for you. But if you come and say with a clear goal of I'm doing five implants a month, I want to move to 25 implants a month, and I want to spend $10,000 on that. Think about the return on one implant case where the ROI is through the roof. So that's something that you've got to figure out your goals, come to them and say this is what I want to do, and then for them to say, okay, so we can achieve this by this. And the next step is are they measuring the leads or are they measuring actual procedures build? If they're measuring just leads, taking a look very in-depthly as what is a lead? Is it just somebody that called for five seconds? Because there are some sketchy ways to do that. And they can say, oh, we got you 67 leads for $20. I'm That's not. That's, I'm telling you guys, that's not realistic. Yeah. Um, so it's making sure that that makes sense and that you are, look at the ADA codes. If you're billing implants, look at the code, so you will be able to tell if you are increasing that procedure that you're marketing for. Okay.
0: So we need even going out out of the house. We need metrics. This this needs to be concrete. Um, mm-hmm. You need to be specific. It sounds like just as specific going into this sort of partnership mm-hmm. as as what you're looking as you're you know after you've signed.
1: Yeah, and you're looking. I am always afraid of the year long deal. Uh, I prefer to try it before you buy it. I mean, you don't go buy a $30,000 car without test driving it. Um, and if your partner, in my opinion is very against a short-term deal to show, I think it's six months is realistic three to get the results is pushing it, but not having that year long commitment with clear expectations, it, it can be, it can be dicey. Sure.
0: Yeah. And even just the confidence in, in the, uh, in the partner, uh, a year-long contract can be, can be scary. Yes. Um, cool. Well, so talk to me a little bit about some of your goals coming up for 2019. Any big, any big swings coming up for John and, and Freedom Dental? Um, yes. Well, for me,
1: um, my goal was to speak on a podcast. So I appreciate the opportunity, Corey. Thank you very much. Great. For you Have and guys the guys at Callbox. Um, for our group, um, one of our goals is to produce a million dollars for our new location.
0: Okay
1: yes, which so far so good we're looking okay. <laughs> looking good I was going to um, say
0: let's let's rewind back to your last piece of advice of being uh, specific and realistic yes. um we're on we're on track
1: yes, so far so good yes
0: okay
1: um, that's great. and then uh, one of our other goals is to settle on the location of our fifth office okay yes that so
0: we're, we're looking
1: looking forward to it
0: <laughs> yeah that's a that's a busy 2019 mm-hmm. um, we stick in in Delaware. Am I going to be able to visit all five of these when I come back to UD?
1: Absolutely. Yes, that's that's what, what our what our plan is to stay in Delaware and be and be the dental group in Delaware.
0: That's awesome. That's great. Well, John, I I really appreciate having you on today. Um, if if any of our listeners had have any questions for you or wanted to talk with you further, what, what would be the best way for them to to get in touch?
1: Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, John Schwin. Um, if you have any specific questions. Uh, you can email me at jschwin, that's S-C-H-W-I-N-D, uh, at freedomdentalmgmt.com.
0: Great. And we'll put that in the, uh, in the summary of the email as well, or the, the podcast link. That's- well, thanks so much, John. Um, good luck to you in 2019. Hope that you knock these two goals out of the park. Um, I'm Corey Johnson, and this has been Dialed In. Thanks for listening to Callbox Dialed In. If you'd like to be kept in the loop on future episodes, subscribe directly or on your favorite podcast app. Callbox is a comprehensive tool used by more than 5,000 dental practices and DSOs to optimize phone handling processes, increase appointments, and improve caller experience by providing insight into every patient phone call. To learn more, visit us at callbox.com dental.